0: VOLUME 1 CHAPTER 14 OF EVELYN OR A HEART Unmasked, A NOVEL BY ANNA CORA Mowat. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY KELLY TAYLOR CHAPTER 14 WHO CAN VIEW THE RIPENED ROSE NOR SEEK TO WEAR IT BYRON From Hubert Damoreau to Frederick Ruthven, January 20th, I am a lucky fellow, dear Fred, take my word for it, a confounded lucky fellow. I do not mean to say that I can exactly quote Caesar's vote of Veni Vidi Vici, but I have a reason to believe myself in a fair way of winning the Citadel. An exciting even though protracted siege is better than all caesar's storming i frankly confess that with the poet i can see no charm in trophies won with ease i hold myself to be a mental epicure as well as a philosopher and delight in watching the workings and transitions of the heart around which i am weaving my impalpable web "'What do you think, old chum? "'When have you succeeded in awakening "'a marked evidence of feeling in the woman you love? "'When she starts at your step "'or blushes at your voice, "'or betrays the slightest degree of emotion "'when your warm breath accidentally "'sweeps across her cheek as you murmur in her ear? "'Is not that a woman in peril?' Is not the victory half won? Evelyn's eye turns away as it encounters my ardent gaze. Her cheek pales and crimsons when I address her. Her hand trembles when I clasp it, however lightly. Will you then pretend to deny that she loves me? I know that my image visits her dreams. I know that her waking thoughts are engrossed by me i know that she tremulously waits my coming and that her heart sinks when i make her expect me in vain in spite of these promising symptoms she has shunned me of late though not pertinaciously but what of this when her agitation in my presence is often so overpowering as to become visible to others She has too much innate and inherent frankness to be an adept in concealing her feelings, and she is too impetuous to be skillful in controlling them. Fred, I repeat it, I am a lucky fellow. You would cry out amen to that if you could see that matchless creature's eloquent eyes as they glisten through humid lustre and veil themselves with their darkly fringed curtains when I venture to whisper Evelyn in her ear. Her countenance is a resplendent mirror, and not a thought flits through her brain which I find not reflected in her face. Lovers generally idealize their mistress, but I content myself with analyzing the charms of mine to strive to heighten those of evelyn would indeed be to paint the lily those tableaux fred i knew those tableaux would represent more than the spectators suspected i confess it my heart thrilled like that of a youth of twenty as i beheld golonaire at my feet with her expressive and impassioned face turned lovingly and beseechingly to mine that night i waltzed with her she grew dizzy and sank in my arms but while i supported her lovely head whose face should i behold scowling above it whose but that of our anxious lord he did not speak but there was a tempest concentrated in his look i told you before that he had too thorough a respect for the proprieties to make a fool of himself were it not for this conventional curb i might find him a troublesome friend as it is i have nothing to fear on the first day of the year i sent her a new year's token she knew that the gift was mine for she had told me that she intended to usher in the year as nature had done in a snowy garment, and my bouquet was entirely composed of white flowers. She has made no allusion to the offering, but an accidental glance revealed to me all that I cared to know. In your last letter, you asked the following ridiculous and somewhat unanswerable question. What is the secret of your success with the fair? If it is purchasable, i would obtain it at any price my secret as you call it happens neither to be of a purchasable or explainable nature i can only say that i never voluntarily enter the presence of a lady with my mind en de sabille. it is related of the duke of buckingham that when visiting the spanish court he wore a profusion of diamonds, so loosely attached to his court robe, that, passing through a crowd of ladies, he could strew the jewels, as though accidentally, at their feet. Now I think it the bounden duty of every man whose pursuit in life is pleasure, and whose aim or desire to succeed in the Beaumont, to learn a lesson from the gallant duke, and store his mind with diamonds, which he can scatter as lavishly about him. It is not difficult to dazzle the feminine vision, and a fool can take captive the blind. While we are on the subject, I may as well mention that I never permit myself to forget Les Petits soin which are always acceptable to women of all ages and classes, that I never pique one woman by an evident preference for another, nor wound her by a more constant remembrance of myself than of herself. I could lay down a catalogue of rules, but time is wanting. And then you have not deserved so much complacence at my hand FOR YOU NEVER RESPONDED TO MY WISHES IN REFERENCE TO CLAUDE DEAN. POOR LITTLE SIMPLETON. I TRUST SHE HAS NOT BROKEN HER HEART AT MY DESERTION. I HAVE HEARD NOTHING FROM HER, AND FEEL CERTAIN THAT SHE HAS NOT TRACED ME. I HAVE NO APPETITE FOR A reconnoitre WITH THAT LITTLE FURY, AND ON PARTING DID MOST DEVOUTLY DESIRE THAT WE MIGHT BE BETTER STRANGERS. My friend Richard is still alive and in a prosperous state. I am compelled to supply him with pocket money and to provide him with occupation to escape being bored to death. He fancies himself my man of business because I send him on little excursions to make very useless inquiries about my property or to carry letters which he imagines to be confidential he is perfectly devoted to me and so simple-hearted that he never suspects that all actions have their motives i called at his lodgings yesterday to dispatch him upon some new errand of imaginary importance and where do you suppose i found him he was lying in bed at midday to save fuel and keep himself warm he assured me that he was well employed that he was keeping up a devil of thinking, and that he was more of a thinking character than I suspected. I was afraid that he would interfere with some of my plans, and accordingly sent him that very afternoon to Philadelphia. Congratulate me, dear Fred, for once more I began to find existence tolerable the excitement of my present pursuit has varied life's wearisome monotony my health is as excellent as ever my taste as fine my appetite even better and i have not been ennuié for a month or upwards and this miracle has been wrought by the influence of a woman sweet woman but mock me fred A man can't expect to find such a paragon as Evelyn Merritt at every step. Why, if she was single, I sometimes think she might almost make a benedict of me. For who knows into what follies a lover may plunge? I should think it, however, more prudent to run into a straitjacket than to rush into the bonds of matrimony. I should be sure to find the one quite as irksome as the other fare thee well let me hear in your next that your face is turned towards charleston credit me the journey is worth taking le jeu vaut la chandelle i look back upon the days i spent there forgetting all but their delight "'Nothing can be more unwise and absurd "'than the remembrance of anything which is disagreeable. "'As for me, I always had and always shall have "'small memory for aught but pleasure. "'Farewell, and take the advice of an experienced soldier "'whose military tactics are not confined to the field of battle. "'Yours and etc., Hubert D'Amoreau End of Chapter Fourteen